Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Giants of the Faith podcast. My name is Robert Daniels and I'm the host of this show. And this is the podcast where we look at individuals from the age of the church who have lived out their faith in a unique or interesting way. This is the first episode of season three of this show, and we're getting back to a more general focus after spending season two looking at the Reformation. I'm very excited about this episode because its subject, R.C. Sproul, is my favorite modern theologian and teacher, and I've learned so much from him through the years, and I continue to learn from him today through his recorded lectures and writings. R.C. Sproul served the kingdom in many ways through his life. Professor, pastor, leader, father, husband, administrator, hymnist, defender, and many more. But perhaps his most lasting and widespread impact was his commitment to teaching the laity. Sproul was without a doubt one of the giants of the late 20th and early 21st centuries. Robert Charles Sproul was born February 13, 1939, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His father, Robert Cecil, was an accountant, and his mother, Mary Ann, was a homemaker. World War II broke out shortly after Sproul's birth, and it would shape his earliest years and his earliest memories. When the United States entered the war in 1941, Sproul's father was appointed to the local draft board. But just a few weeks after this appointment, he enlisted in the Army Air Corps because he felt he could not send young men off to fight if he himself did not go. Robert returned safely from the war in 1945, and his commitment to honor and integrity had a major impact on young R.C. R.C.'s childhood was decidedly middle-class American. He participated in youth sports, baseball, football, hockey, basketball. His love for Pittsburgh's professional sports teams carried on all through his life. You won't have to watch or listen to many of his lessons before you'll come across some reference to the Pittsburgh Steelers or some needling remarks directed at the Cincinnati Bengals and their fans. When R.C. was in the first grade, he met Vesta Voris. Vesta was a grade ahead of R.C., but when he reached the sixth grade, he asked her out. They dated off and on for a couple of years, and in the eighth grade, it all finally came together. The two were in the same church choir and the same youth group, and they went off to different colleges, but they stayed together and they were eventually married in 1960. The couple eventually had two children, and they remained happily married until R.C.'s death. The high school years were difficult ones for R.C. His father suffered several strokes, which invalided him. R.C. had to get a job to help provide for the family, and then when his father died, the family home had to be sold. The family moved into a small apartment, and times were tough. At this point in his life, R.C. did not know God, and he had no real faith on which to lean. He'd been brought up in the church, but he didn't have a personal relationship with God. He graduated high school, and he went on to Westminster College in New Wilmington, about 50 miles north of Pittsburgh. It was as a freshman at Westminster that Sproul was converted. One night, only about a week after classes started, he and a friend were on their way to a local bar when R.C. realized that he'd left his cigarettes in his dorm room. He turned back to get them, and he encountered the school's star football player. The two struck up a conversation, and over the next hour, R.C. came to realize that this man knew Christ in a way that R.C. did not. This man had a personal, intimate fellowship with God that R.C. was missing. R.C. returned to his bedroom, and he cried out to God for forgiveness. He became a believer that night, and the course of his life changed. Soon after, Vesta came to visit him, and at a prayer meeting, she was converted herself. After graduating from Westminster, Sproul enrolled at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, a largely liberal Presbyterian seminary. But even in this place that R.C. later called hostile to Orthodox Christianity, 
God moved in his life. He met Professor John Gerstner, who was a conservative, orthodox believer, and a specialist in Christian history. He became Sproul's mentor. During Gerstner's class on the theology of Jonathan Edwards, Sproul became convinced of the correctness of the Reformed theology. And this was another pivot point in his life, and he would go on to become one of the leading voices of the Reformed world. While still a seminary student, R.C. served as a student pastor at a Presbyterian church in Lindora, Pennsylvania. I tried very hard to find the name of that church, but I couldn't. Now, this was his first posting as a pastor, and R.C. thought it was the start of his career pastoring. But his mentor, John Gerstner, had a different suggestion for Sproul. Gerstner suggested that Sproul attend the Free University in Amsterdam to study under Garrett Burkhauer. Burkhauer was one of the leading Reformed theologians in the Netherlands, and he held the chair in systematic theology at the Free University. Now, the Free and Free University refers to its freedom from state and church control. R.C. Investa, now married and with a daughter, agreed to Gerstner's suggestion. They sold their possessions and headed to Europe. When the family arrived in the Netherlands, they were strangers in a strange land. They didn't speak the language, they knew no one, and the culture was completely alien to them. But they persevered. R.C. threw himself into his studies, spending hours a day reading texts in Greek, Latin, and Dutch. Life soon interfered, and in 1965, the couple had to return to the U.S. to be with R.C.'s sickly mother. Vesta was pregnant with their second child at the time, and on July 1st, R.C. Sproul Jr. was born, and that very same day, R.C.'s mother Mare died. Sproul was granted a year's leave by the Free University and took up a teaching position at Gordon College in Massachusetts. R.C. realized he could not return to the Netherlands full-time, so he continued his degree studies remotely, and he traveled to Europe to take exams. After two years at Gordon, he took a job teaching at the Cornwell School of Theology in Philadelphia. In 1968, while in Philly, he completed his doctoral degree from the Free University. His time in Philadelphia showed R.C. how eager the laity was for godly education. He was asked to lead a class at his church on the person and work of Christ. And he was struck by his students. Now, these were just regular folks. He was struck by their eagerness and their desire to learn. Contrasted against his seminary students seeming disinterest, these regular churchgoers were excited to learn and grow. This realization would impact R.C.'s ministry for the rest of his life. He took a position as a pastor for theology and evangelism at College Hill Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio and here he was directly involved with educating the common man. Soon after, Sproul's church was visited by Dora Hillman, who was the widow of a coal and steel tycoon. She was so impressed by R.C.'s teaching that she approached him with a unique proposition. She had 52 acres of land in western Pennsylvania that she wanted to donate for use as a study center, similar to Francis Schaeffer's Labrie in Switzerland. As Sproul was aware of Schaeffer's work, Schaefer had set up a chalet as a center of learning and philosophy where anyone, students, seekers, really anyone, could come and stay to discuss and learn. Labrie is a Christian community that has influenced generations of thinkers for Christ. If you want to hear more about Schaefer, check out episode 24 of this podcast. Hillman wanted R.C. and Vesta and their family to come live in Pennsylvania and establish something similar. After much consideration and much prayer, the Sprouls agreed. So in 1971, they packed their bags and headed to the Ligonier Valley, where R.C. served as the teaching theologian of the Ligonier Valley Study Center. 
a man named Jim Thompson and his family accompanied them. Thompson was a member at College Hill, and he'd begun an audio tape ministry there. At Ligonier, he would continue and he would expand the ministry, and it would eventually grow into what Ligonier is today. Several buildings either existed or were built on the property to house the staff, which quickly expanded beyond Sproul and Thompson. Students that came to the center would sleep in the staff homes, dine with the staff and their families, and work around the property, attend lectures, etc. Also, churches would bring in groups to learn under R.C. Thompson would record R.C.'s lectures and then distribute them to other churches and to individuals. A typical week at Ligonier went like this. Monday, Theology, Philosophy, and Apologetics Instruction. Wednesday, Open Bible Study for the Surrounding Community. Friday, Church groups would arrive for weekend seminars. Sunday, a morning sermon by R.C., followed by brunch. And in 1974, the center began video recording the lectures. Tapes were sent across the country, and hundreds or thousands of people were impacted by the teaching coming from Ligonier. At the same time, R.C. began traveling to speak at conferences and churches across the country, raising the profile and influence of the study center even further. Programs influenced by Ligonier teaching and courses include Chuck Colson's Prison Fellowship, Young Life, Youth for Christ, and many more. During this time, Sproul and the Ligonier Center hosted a conference of leading evangelicals from around the world. They met to formulate and prepare the Ligonier Statement on Biblical Inerrancy, to defend the authority and authenticity of the Bible from attacks from liberals in the church. This statement was a precursor to the Chicago Statement, which you might have heard of which Sproul was also involved in preparing. As the influence and mission of the Ligonier Valley Study Center continued to increase, the board that oversaw it decided that a change of name and a location was needed. So in 1984, the name was changed to Ligonier Ministries, and they relocated to Sanford, Florida, in the Orlando metro area. On a personal note, my home is only about 90 minutes from Sanford, and one of my regrets is that I never made it over there to hear Sproul preach before he died. In 1985, Sproul published his masterwork, The Holiness of God. Over the years, he authored more than 100 books. One of my favorites is The Last Days According to Jesus. I encourage you to pick it up if you have any interest in eschatology. Now, 1994 brought a new opportunity for sharing the gospel with the beginning of the Renewing Your Mind radio program. This program, which continues even after R.C.'s death, has reached millions of people around the world. Then 1995 saw the publication of the New Geneva Study Bible. Sproul had been asked back in 1988 to edit a new study Bible in the vein of the 16th century Geneva Bible. With the help of more than 50 Reformed scholars from around the globe, Sproul worked on this project for the next seven years until its publication in 1995. It's been reworked and renamed, and it's still available today as the Reformed Study Bible. It's the Bible that I personally use, and I'm very grateful to Dr. Sproul and the team that put it together. Then in 1997, Sproul was invited to serve as senior pastor of a new church, St. Andrew's Chapel, that was being formed in Sanford. The church started out small, meeting in offices at Ligonier's campus, before it moved to a movie theater, and then a school cafeteria, and then on to their own sanctuary in 2001. Sproul continued teaching, preaching, writing, and shepherding until the end of his life. He was a firm defender of the faith, always looked to deliver truth in a way that could be understood and grasped by the everyman. Unfortunately, in 2015, he suffered a stroke, and then in 2017, in December, he was admitted to the hospital suffering from flu, 
which was exacerbated by his emphysema. He died on December 14, 2017. Sproul will be remembered as one of the greatest American theologians. And that wraps up this episode of Giants of the Faith. Thanks for listening. Feel free to drop me a line at podcast.giantsofthefaith.com with any comments or suggestions. Until next time, God bless.